Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host with the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon, and we are welcoming back, I think I remember saying something along the lines when I first interviewed her, the prettiest person I know named John, uh, John Mack. How's it going, John? Hello. How are you? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good. Good, good to be back. It's been, it's been a little while, so I'm, I'm happy to be back. I don't even, I think it was like 2014 or 15, it was so long ago, I don't remember. Yeah, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's been a little while, for uh, sure. Next year will be 14 years I've been doing this show, so it all kind of starts to go together after a while. Oh my gosh, well, congratulations, <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much. Um, I am curious um, how you got the name, John. Is it a shortening of your name? Is, it, is there a story behind it? Yes, um, it's Jean-Marie, and um, yeah, it's it's a French name. My mother um, did the fancy spelling, the, the French spelling, uh, J-E-A-N-N-E, um, but then I changed it uh, to when I got into music when I was probably like 17 or 18, um, and just it, it became easier because a lot of people had a hard time pronouncing it, So and it's quicker to spell, so it just became a thing like a nickname. And um, it just stuck. It just stuck. It, it was easy for people to remember, and, and it kind of fit my personality, so it became that. But I, I kept my middle name, Marie, so that way there's no confusion. <laughs> well, that's cool. Marie's a, a sweet name, so, I mean, you, you won out pretty well on it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, how did you get into acting? You've been doing it for some time now. Yes, uh, I actually started when I was probably about four or five years old uh, in theater. My uh-huh. mother was a theater director um, in Michigan, where I grew up, and she did musicals and, and dramas and all kinds of different plays. So I did my first play when I was like five years old, and it was The Homecoming, and um, and I, I, you know, become addicted ever since. I was always at her rehearsals and and just in awe watching the you know the older kids and everything. Uh, you know, for Hearst and, 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 you know, just the amazing energy theater. So it was a combination of, of growing up around that so much of the time. And uh, my father owned a video store back in the day when they had video stores uh, in a small town where we grew up. And uh, so I used to I used to watch movies all the time, foreign, uh, all kinds of foreign films, um, independent films and just odd horror films. And I became just such a fan of of um, not just mainstream film, but just very eclectic, you know, taste in film from that. So it was a combination because I spent a lot of time on my own being an only child. So I, I just absorbed hours and hours of, of, of films and, and theater. Oh, I bet I'm kind of an only child. I have a half sister, but she was raised in a different household. So I understand having to kind of make your own fun. And I've always liked doing mm-hmm. different voices. And it, you, it's it's amazing how entertaining you can be in your own mind. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, you've had a lot of uh, great film roles over the years. And I just noticed when I was getting the flyer together that you worked with the legendary Nicolas Cage and very directly working with him as well. Uh, yes. What, what was that yes, whole experience I did a like? Film. Oh, God, it was great. I did a film with um, Nick in 2018. We shot, and it came out It came out in 2019. It's called Kill Chain. And uh, it's like a film noir, dark action. We shot in, you know, Bogota, Colombia, which was wow. awesome. And uh, it was um, amazing working with him. He's such a professional, such a great guy. Um, so just such a, such a, you know, such an honor 
somebody, you know, of his caliber and just down to earth and, and accommodating to the other actors. And it was a wonderful experience. And I'm, I'm very proud of that film because of the work we did. I don't want to, I don't know, I hate saying like low budget films, but he's one of the big name actors that does films that aren't necessarily big Hollywood movies, which I think is neat. Yes, yes, yeah, he does. He, I, I think it, for him, I mean, I think he just really loves acting. You know, he mm -hmm. seems to be, all I know is when I was working with him, he knew everybody's dialogue in the script, you know. It was almost like he could direct the film himself. He was such wow. a, a um, such a, you know, influence to everyone. Like, he has such a great uh, vision of the film. So, so he really takes it seriously. Um, I know he loves to delve into the roles and really bring a lot of heart into it. Um, so yeah, he's had quite an eclectic career because he's done both big budget and indie. Um, but I think I think it's like what fascinates him is the character. If he can do something with the mm -hmm. character itself, whether it's a big budget or small right. budget film. Yeah, you're not the first person I've interviewed that's worked with him, and I've always heard great things about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of my my favorite people to work with, and he's he's really a lovely person on top of it. So it's. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes some experiences are great and some are okay, but he was one of the, the on the spectrum of, uh, you know, I, I just, I would do it again in a heartbeat and he was great to work with and, you know, such a great fellow, fellow uh, thespian, you know, sometimes he, some actors are more accommodating than others and he definitely was. That's awesome to hear. And I'm not great with Roman numerals, but you were in Saw 6, I believe? Yes, yes, that's correct. Number um. 6. And I believe yes. we, we may have talked about it before, but that, unfortunately, I lost, like, eight years' worth of interviews due to some technical <laughs> oh, stuff with no. the uh, website that I was using. Yes. But anyways, what was it like uh, getting to work on such a legendary horror franchise like Saw? Oh, awesome. I mean, you know, by the time I got there, it was such a well-oiled machine. They'd been doing, mm -hmm. you know, this was the sixth installment, so... I, I shot in Toronto, and they had a whole, um, back in the day when they were doing the whole franchise, they had the, they had a certain sound stage that they used for everything, and uh, it, it was great. I mean, I, I, I was amazed at how, how well it was so, you know, put together, and everybody just had, you know, the same crew and the same, you know, some of the people directed it had edited before. In fact, Kevin Bruder, who directed um, Saw 6, had been an editor on the other films, so everyone already knew each other. It was a very comfortable environment, and um, it was it was awesome. I got to work with you know Betsy Russell is a friend of mine. I got to work with Betsy and and Costas Mandalore, and you know it's really 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 cool people that are you know now friends of mine. But um, no, it was it was a really wonderful experience for sure. And uh, you know I'm a I'm a horror fan, so I'm honored to be part of such a big franchise. Yeah, you've done a number of horror films. Yeah, including, that's funny, um, we're kind of going along this line, because you, I'm, I don't, trying to get my internet to work here, but being out on the farm, it's kind of iffy, I think it's running on like silo power or something, but, um, <laughs> yes. you were in an Amityville movie, uh, in, in, yes. which uh, also starred uh, another member of the Cloverleaf alumni family, the legendary and wonderfully talented Diane Franklin. Yes. Oh, gosh. I love Diane. She's wonderful. She's yes. Uh, Empty Soul Murders. Okay. We did that. Yeah, that came out about, I think I want to say three years ago now, uh, right before Halloween. And, and again, Diane was so lovely. And, and I didn't have any scenes with her, but I got to meet Diane, and she was just such a sweetheart. And that that was a lot of fun, too. I, I got to play Edith, who's the 
estate agent who sells the haunted house to the Lutzes, who mm -hmm. are the ones who moved in after the murders took place right. uh, at the very end. So I have a nice little pivotal scene there at the end of the film. But um, that was also that was also great fun to work on that film. And, and um, I, I'm fascinated with that whole story of Amityville, I mean, because it's become mm -hmm. such a, a trope now in horror. I mean, I think they've done, oh, my God, I don't even know how many films they've done now about Amityville, but oh God, it's yeah. quite, uh, yeah, they've done quite a few at this point. But it's still a fascinating story because um, our version was actually about the family, the original family mm -hmm. um, that, that the murders happened to. Yeah, and it was, uh, wow, it, it, it's, a, it's a very uh, intense story, very intense story. The DeFeos were the family. Yeah, so we, we um, I did a lot of studying and, and, and research about that whole um, incident. And, and yeah, it's very paranormal and unexplained still what happened quite, you know, with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you bring up a great point because when you talk about the Amityville uh, books and the movies, nine-tenths of them are based on uh, the Lutz family and their ghostly experiences, not the actual murders. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but um, we actually, uh, in my hometown, we have uh, kind of a similar murder that happened. Six members of a, a young members of a family, a boy, boys and girls, were killed by uh, the boyfriend of the oldest member of the family so it's oh, wow. it, it was kind of it's kind of eerily reminiscent but uh it's still very very shocking and sad even like 40 years later of course yeah that was well, just something that you know i think it just it stains the community like everyone feels it you know whether they knew the mm -hmm. family or not it's something that sticks with the whole community right. for for decades you know this i mean the amityville murders literally happened in the late 70s i want to say mm -hmm. um so you know to this day we still talk about it and i think the, when these things happen it just is kind of in the collective unconscious of, of the you know of the community for sure it's, it affects everyone in a, in, in a psychic way and you know and just in general because that's, it's such an anomaly, and it's so devastating, you know, to have that many members of one family just mm -hmm. completely wiped out. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'm a true crime buff, so I, I, I love oh this my God. stuff. As, as twisted, as dark as it is, I find yep. it fascinating because it's interesting character study, and, and I also love the paranormal, of course. So, so for me, I think there's so many elements that come to play when these things happen. It's almost like a perfect storm. And you know, it seems the more messed up the crime, the more we remember it. I mean, think about Jack the Ripper. That was the 1880s, and we're still making yeah. movies and TV shows, and books are still coming out on it to this day, so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, for some reason, it's, it's, it affects all of us deep in our psyche because it's, you know, right. it's so forbidden. But I think, you know, with true crime, it's, it's, you know, you never, you'll never know the why, but I, I feel like we still want to try to figure it out. You know, there's a part of every human that wants to Definitely. understand it or just, you know, because something like that is so unexplainable. You know, oh, why, yeah. why would someone kill their entire family mm -hmm. in one night like that? You know, unprovoked, out of nothing, you know. So it's, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it affects us on a deep, you know, human psyche. Uh, you know, in our psyche, it affects us very deeply. So I, I, for me, I, you know, I always try to figure out what, you know, what could have led to that. The elements, especially you know, the more I I, I uh, watch horror over the years, you know, it's just I, I think that's a fascination that, that you know many people have is what what drives that to happen, you know, because we all have the dark and the light in us, but but there's something that like that extra that extra thing that you mm -hmm. know makes something like that manifest. 
I do conventions every year with the show, and for the last six years I've been involved with Dark History Con here in Illinois. I think you really mm-hmm. enjoy uh, coming. We have, They have horror guests every year. Um, Ari Lehman has been there, original Jason Voorhees. Um, cast members from, like, The Walking Dead, uh, Human Centipede, uh, Predator. Uh, the list goes on and on, but it's, it's, it's local. It's really awesome. They bring in a lot of uh, celebrities and bands and tattoo artists, and it's really cool. Great. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that stuff. I would love to learn more about that that sounds fantastic i will shoot you some information please do now that my internet is working i can actually kind of look at things here you were in a film called mongolian death worm what in god's god's green earth was that about Yes, um, a good question. <laughs> Actually, you wow. know, they do exist. It's kind of a weird, well, allegedly, I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, uh, but I don't think they're that big. <laughs> it, it was a film I, I shot it, I want to say, 2009, maybe 2009, with um, Sean Patrick Flannery, who's mm-hmm. a wonderful actor, oh, yeah. and Gina Holden, who's also a wonderful actress. Um, so it was for sci-fi when sci-fi was doing their infamous creature features, which mm-hmm. I don't think they do as many of those anymore. They're more into series now. But but back in the day, I think many many of your listeners might remember when the sci-fi was known for doing the you know ridiculous creature films. Yes, I yes. think that's. I feel like sci-fi <laughs> so it was. was, it was fun. <laughs> I feel like sci-fi was the first place I saw Tremors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a. Tre- it's kind of you know what when you bring up tremors, it's very mm-hmm. similar to tremors. It was oh, okay. a, you know, a giant worm underneath the you know underneath the ground that you know mm-hmm. was wreaking havoc and and uh, yeah, that one is still. I mean, they still play it once in a while. You know, it's one of the. It's cool. like camel spiders. I did camel spiders with Jim Norsky, and mm-hmm. that was around the same era. They still play films once in a while, so it's kind of fun to watch those. But yeah, giant creatures. You know, nobody. I guess nobody or most people aren't so fond of bugs or worms, so thinking of them on a scale of a house or something is pretty terrifying. I had kind of an epiphany uh, yesterday. I don't like spiders or mice, but I like snakes, and I think it's because snakes eat mice. Oh, there you go. Yeah, And snakes actually are, to me, well, uh, many snakes are beautiful. I Mm. find, well, I'm a reptile lover. I have reptiles myself, so I always found snakes very beautiful. Oh, definitely. And anyone I've ever, like, held or anything was really docile and almost mm-hmm. like a cat, I feel like, like, snuggly, like, rubbing its head on you and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're very, they're usually pretty shy creatures. I know people have a, you know, a phobia about them, as people do, but, um, mm-hmm. no, most of the snakes I've met have been pretty mellow, you know, for the most part. I mean, I don't, I don't go to Australia and try to play with the really, really deadly ones, like, like mambas or anything. But, uh, but then for the most part, most snakes are, you know, yeah, they're not, they're not, you know, it's kind of like sharks. They're not killers looking to seek out, you know, humans to destroy them. But yeah, no, I, I'm a reptile lover. I love snakes. I love lizards. I love, you know, all that stuff. So I grew up with farms, so they don't see nice. so much. Yeah, I live on a farm and since we're in Illinois, we don't really have any cool or scary animals but you're out in california i'm sure i mean you guys have tons of scorpions and spiders yes. and snakes and yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes we have well now i think the season's passed but we have rattlers out here you know we have the rattlers oh rattler season is around june usually no. um so 
I found one under my pool cover this June, oh, shut a little up. baby one. Oh, yeah, so we goodness. relocated him safely in the canyon. Ugh. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like, <laughs> it was adorable, you know, but I mean, most people would probably lose their minds if they found a rattlesnake under their pool cover. What's it like being out in the canyons? Does it get hot out there? Yeah, it does, actually. It does. Um, I, I love it because I, I just, I like I like living in wilderness so much. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of wildlife out here. We get coyotes. Yeah. We get hawks. Nice. We get all kinds, you know, obviously snakes and, and um, different creatures. And I, I, I love that. Um, but it's, you know, it's quieter. It's a bit quieter than being in the, you know, right in the city. So I kind of like it because it's, it's like being in L.A., but you're not directly, you know, in the middle of it. So I, I actually prefer that because I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I grew up on a farm and I, I like rural kind of land. I, I like having that around me. I feel comfortable with it. And I like the fact that I can go into the city too, so it's not so far. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you, you have a nice city to go to. Yeah. I don't know about definitely. right now with, with COVID kind of not going away. I mean, I, who knows, but... Hopefully, yeah. I mean, we're, it's it's been such a thing this year, but uh, you know, so many so many people in, in the industry. You know, we're we're trying to find our legs right now and trying to figure mm-hmm. out what's going on because it's really obviously the last two years now has been affected. You know, shooting and filming and even the award shows are doing things more remotely and whatnot. So we're trying to find our legs. We're trying to get you know back to somewhat of a swing of normalcy, but it's. You know, it's uh, hopefully this next year things will even out more. But it's been challenging. It's been very challenging. You know, even production-wise, to do film. I'm 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 set to shoot a film uh, uh, next month. So if all goes well, we'll be out in in Buffalo, New York, shooting a film. Okay. So, you know, but it's 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 constantly. I think they're trying to you know figure out what's going to happen, and it's hard to it's hard to predict with these things because it's such a such a new thing. You know, in the last two years we've never had anything like this. Definitely not. Uh, you, I noticed you were in playing for keeps, which I think is mm-hmm. a really nice, a cool movie. Uh, what was it like working on that film? Oh, awesome! Uh, I got to work with Dennis Quaid and uh, Jerry Butler and Uma Thurman, and, uh, and it was it was really 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 fun. I mean, I I had a great time working with those guys. All all very cool, very very nice. It was a romantic comedy, and I love comedy. I love doing you know all that stuff. So. I had a great time. It was very lighthearted, you know, versus doing horror. It's nice sometimes mm-hmm. to not be so <laughs> dark and intense and just do some comedy. So that was that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it's such a great cast. I mean, Gerard Butler, Jessica Biel, Dennis Quaid, Uma Thurman, Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah. Judy yeah. Greer, the list goes on and yeah. on. But, I mean, I'm sure there's no better yeah. cast to be around. No, no, all, all great actors, all, like I said, all super professional and, and nice, you know, just pleasant to work with, really. All of them were so lovely, and, you know, I, I still run into Jerry once in a while, and, you know, it's like always give him a big hug and say hi, and, you know. So it's like, it's nice when you work with that, you know, the caliber of talent, and you see them again, and then you remember each other, and so it's, it, I'm, I'm fond of that. And hopefully I get to work with them again, you know, because, like I said, they're all talented, and I mean, I just, I, I love, I love working with people that have the same passion I do for, for acting and for filmmaking and, and whatnot, because I think when we all get together, that's when the magic happens. Oh, definitely. You got to enjoy what you're doing, or you're just not, it shows in the work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that, that's, that's very true. 
But um, yeah, no, it helps. It helps when people are, you know, they're good people and they mm-hmm. they they love being there and they love being on set and doing what they're doing. And and then yeah, eventually you know you make something good. Yeah, not every film, you know, becomes the top box office thing, but it doesn't matter. There's still people who enjoy it no matter what. So that's that's what I I, I look for, towards. I say. You know, it doesn't matter. I, I always know that if I do a good job, somebody will enjoy it. So that makes it easy. Yeah, I feel like at least 15 movies I really enjoy are on, like, Rotten Tomatoes' top 10 list. So it's, I mean, you never yeah. really know. <laughs> yeah. You never can exactly. tell. Exactly. <laughs> you never know. Well, what does the future hold for you, John, that you can discuss? I know with it being the entertainment industry, you're tied to certain clauses sometimes. But uh, what, what, what you got going on, girl? Well, um, I'm about to shoot, like I mentioned before, a, a film. Uh, I, I don't know if I can say too much about it, but it is a, it's a zombie film, so I'm very excited because oh, cool. I've never done a zombie film. Uh, and it's a remake of a very famous zombie film. Uh, I'll say no more, but it's a very iconic zombie film that we're doing a, a modern take on it. So I'm, I'm really excited because uh, I'm working with Chris Olin Ray, who is Fred Ray's son, who I'm sure many horror fans know Fred Ray's son more stuff for sci-fi and for Asylum and whatnot. And Chris is his son, and Chris is also their experienced director. So uh, we're supposed to shoot this next month, so I'm, I'm super excited to do that. Uh, and I have another, uh, possibly a Western coming up after that in November. Oh, wow. So we have that. And then, yeah, and then we have another one we're working on. Yeah, I, I, I try not to say too much so I don't get in trouble. Because <laughs> right, <I understand. laughs> the producers get mad when I say too much because of everything. But, but um, no, I, I'm excited because it's a period piece zombie film, this other one. So two zombie films, oh, wow. uh, which will be really fun. So I'm going to be in Zombieland. It's funny, I go through periods. Like I did three spider films. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> like I'm a spider in the Spider 3D, and I did another spider film, and and just for some reason it had spider theme, and now it's a zombie thing, oh, wow. which I think you know zombies always have a place in our heart. I, I feel like I, I've been a fan of zombie films from the from the get go. Oh, I've always loved zombie movies, and I don't think they'll ever go away. I feel like they'll always have a huge fan base. Well, and honestly, what is, when would be a better time than a uh, global pandemic to do a zombie movie? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Timing could not be better. So I feel like we can all laugh together and kind of identify with that whole thing. And, you know, we're going to make it fun. And, uh, yeah, so... So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that right now, and I have some projects of my own. Um, I'm working with, um, uh, I'm with my partner, on. so we are presenting uh, kind of an adventure, kind of like a, um, a national treasure type of vibe, which will be kind of Indiana Jones, so it'll be more family-friendly. And then we have another psychological horror film that we're also working on, possibly with this really amazing director. So um, I'll be announcing it as soon as everything is more set in stone. But there's a lot in the works right now, which is really good. I'm, I'm happy to say that. I think 2022 is going to be a very, very busy year. Um, and hopefully, like I said, we get out of this weird spell that we've been in with the pandemic. But um, we're all ready to go back and just keep making film and making, you know, making great, great work, making great shows for everyone so yeah that's that's the goal right now in the next few months we're going to be really busy well that's awesome it's always better to be busy than to be sitting at home with nothing to do and worry about where your your bills are going to come from but that's awesome right. to hear. Right. it was so no, nice I, yeah i agree oh. I, think, I think that's you know that's something in show business it's you know it's always unpredictable but that's why we keep trying to just push forward no matter what you know find ways around it oh definitely it was so nice talking to you again, John. Oh, thanks. And same here. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. It was such a pleasure. 
Yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to chat again down the line. Uh, you make another Nicolas Absolutely. Cage or uh, Gerard Butler movie you could talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we'll have some we'll have more to talk about very soon. I'm I'm very uh, cool. thinking it's gonna be like I said, it's gonna be a very busy few months, but we'll we'll catch up again, you know, in a, in a little bit once I ha I can I can talk more about these things. And then uh, you'll have stuff then you can't talk about, but you know what, that just leaves room for the interview after that one, so Exactly. It's a revolving right? door. Exactly. <laughs> well, have a uh, good rest of your day, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, you too, and we'll, we'll talk soon. You take care now. Sounds good. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, you guys. Well, we were scheduled to be doing two interviews today. Like, what? what is this, like 2009? I'm, like, doing multiple guests uh we were well uh scheduled to be welcoming drummer ken abril uh, in our first version uh first episode i mean of the memories of ted's warehouse podcast unfortunately about 11 minutes before the show started i got a message from ken that said uh he was unable to make it, um, but he wants to reschedule. I uh, did a written interview with him uh, as well, so that one uh, is going to be coming out soon. I have uh, a bunch of these written interview things I've gotten uh, sent to me from uh, people who went to Ted's, people who played at Ted's, and people who knew Ted. And I think it's just going to be an awesome nostalgia trip uh, for a lot of people who enjoy going to Ted's. Unfortunately, uh, Ted's was... Uh, I think Ted's closed in uh, 1996 when Ted passed away, and I was only in first grade, so I never got to experience the uh, the hard rock uh, lifestyle that Ted's Warehouse had to offer, and the friendship and camaraderie that came out of that place, uh, but my mom did, and I have heard, heard a lot of great stories over the years, and a lot of hard rock bands played there, I mean, like, Cheap Trick, um... Gosh, I'm like, I feel like I'm blanking all of a sudden. But really, a lot of uh, bands that became big name. Uh, REO Speedwagon, uh, I believe Chicago might have played there. Uh, but a lot of big bands uh, played at Ted's back in the day. So it's going to be a, an awesome nostalgia trip for those involved. And it's going to be a nice learning experience for me. And I'm going to get to nostalgia trip in a little bit uh, just from the secondhand experiences and the talking. So it's going to be really nice. Once they get everything put together, I hope, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good finished product. Big thanks again to John Mack. We are actually going to be back next Monday. We have a show. And um, October 6th, we welcome Terry McMinn, who played Pam in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She is going to be a guest at this year's Dark History and Horror Con at the I Hotel Conference Center in Champaign, Illinois, October 23rd. 2021, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> oh, goodness, whoo, fuck on the throw, and there's going to be a lot of great guests there, uh, Boar Predator Wyatt Weed is returning this year, he was there in 2019, as well as Waco, Texas survivor and author David, uh, David Thibodeau, who gave a really nice talk uh, a couple of years ago, he's going to be there as well, uh, Corinne Nimick, who played the title character in the TV show Parker Lewis Can't Lose. He is going to be there as well. I'm actually picking him up from the airport Friday night, so that's I think that's going to be... Even though I haven't seen the show, uh, which he might actually respect. You know, Hollywood types don't tend to like to talk about their own careers unless they have big egos. Then you don't want to talk to those people anyways. But 
Uh, it's going to be a nice experience uh, driving the three hours up and uh, to and from Chicago uh, to pick up Horn. So that should be cool. Um, uh, John Borowski is going to be there, the horror uh, documentary filmmaker. Done documentaries on H.H. Holmes, uh, Jack the Ripper, and numerous others. It's going to be nice seeing John again, as well as Steven Giangelo. Um, I don't know if Seth Ferrani's coming back this year or Christian Cipollini, um, but the, the the names are all up on the Facebook page, Darkish or Horrorcon, for the guests and uh, tons of great vendors too of horror related items. So it's it's going to be an awesome uh, awesome day. It's only one day this year, October twenty third. I think it starts at ten a.m. until like seven or eight p.m. and the tickets are relatively cheap. They're like fifteen bucks. Uh, come in, you're not going to be forced to stand in long lines or pay huge fees to just get in the door or park your car or, or to meet some really awesome celebrities. You, you probably can get out of there without spending more than 50 bucks, and, and you know that's just on your own volition if you want to get pictures or DVDs, CDs, uh, any kind of memorabilia or things from the vendors. I mean, food totally up to you on that uh, but I think if you're someone like me who usually burns through his weekly paycheck you can you can go up there with 30 bucks and uh, have enough money to get in and still have money and get you a hot dog or something and get you some mementos get you a signed picture get you some photos with the stars uh, it's always a nice down-home convention I've never been to any big things like uh, San Diego comic-con or any of the Comic Con related things. The first convention type thing I went to was actually a car show, World of Wheels in St. Louis in 2006, but they had uh, celebrity guests there as well. But uh, all the conventions I've done here in Central Illinois have been uh, very down home, and um, everybody always enjoys them. We always see returning faces uh, in the vendors and the guests and even the fans, so it's it's nice to, to see your con family and, and uh, reminisce. But uh, gonna jump off here and we will see you guys next monday for charles rosanay the beatles super fan who knows paul mccartney's worked with paul he's worked with ringo star uh he's worked with al jardine from the beatles uh, members of monkeys and numerous others he's done monkeys conventions beatles conventions he's also acted on such things as flight of the concords and is an accomplished dj this guy does it all charles rosanay next monday and we will see you then thanks everyone for listening have a great night